2: Faithful adherence to the rule of
1: law is the bedrock principle of the Justice Department and of our
2: democracy. Upholding the rule of law means applying the law evenly, without fear or favor. Under my watch, that is precisely what the Justice Department is doing. Hey everybody, welcome into another episode of Can We Please Talk Podcast. I am Mike Leon and I'm Nick Severi. That's
0: the sound of the, police. That's the, sound of the beast.
2: On the program today in the words of the great KRS-One like you just heard that's the sound of the police. Last week, if you've been living under a rock, I can't believe you wouldn't know about this already, but FBI agents executed a search warrant of former president Donald Trump's home at Mar Lago Club here in Palm Bay, where I actually at Palm Beach, excuse me, where I live about an hour away from. Nick, I was up there protesting. I'm joking. Uh, Nick and I will fill you I in knew on, <laughs> Nick and I will fill you in on how we got here the latest on the unsealing of the warrant by a federal judge at the request of the attorney general's office, the media coverage of all this last week from the different outlets and what we expect to come next, and joining us to discuss this unprecedented action and moment in our nation's history. Who better, Nick, than to tell us why it's a no-no to keep state documents or intelligence is former CIA officer, former State Department spokesperson, and former advisor to Secretary Kerry, Fox News contributor Marie Harf. She's back on the program with us. Hi, Marie. How are you doing?
0: Uh, well, I'm very happy to be back. I, in some way, cannot believe what has happened in the past week. It is just every time we think it can't get worse, it gets worse. And it gives us it gives us lots to talk about. But, yeah. you know, what what a crazy ride we are all on.
2: Did did you have Trump uh, uh, nuclear code documents in the Mar-a-Lago basement on your bingo card in 2022? Did you have that?
0: You know, I did not. And, I mean, people joke every Onion article that was written five years ago, that's now true, right? It's like they're prophesied, you know, giving giving prophecy to um, prophesizing. Am I saying that right? It's it's been a long week, you guys. It's been really, (laughs) um, uh, you know, every... We all knew that he didn't uh, respect the rules. He's never respected rules or laws or morals or ethics or any of that. But it's like, how much worse can it get? Right. At first, when it came out, everyone said, well, maybe he just took a few lightly classified things. Oh, no, it's actually the nuclear things. Well, OK. Right. Uh, no, I, I you know, it gets worse every day. And every time you think it won't, it does.
2: Yeah. Well, let's get into some of the news for for everybody that maybe has not fully caught up with some of this. And I'm going to play some of the exchanges of what we've seen playing out in the media circle. And we're going to get some reaction from not only Nick, but Marie as well. Let's get into the news of what happened last week. So here's what happened on Monday night. If you again, under a rock, uh, President (laughs) Trump tweeted out, not tweeted out, excuse me, he hasn't had access to Twitter in a while, but he puts out a statement saying that the FBI raided his home at Mar-a-Lago in Florida even cracked his safe, right? Uh, th- th- for, this is from the statement that he released as part of his political action committee. Um, These are dark times for our nation as my beautiful home, Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida, is currently under siege and raided and occupied by a large group of FBI agents. Now, Trump's lawyer, Christina Bob, who was present for Monday's search, she told NBC News that the Trump team had been cooperative with the FBI and DOJ officials every step of the way. And they added, she added that the Bureau did conduct an unannounced raid and seized papers. Right now, if you don't know, the Trump team and and the National Archives Records Administration have been negotiating about some of the records that Trump took with him, at, you know, as he was the former president, whether they're classified, declassified, we're gonna get into that with Marie in a second. On Monday night, going into Tuesday, a lot of right-wing media, a lot of Republicans started coming out and just wanting answers, demanding answers. Take a listen to some of this.
1: What was on the war? What were you really doing? What were you looking for? Why not talk to President Trump and have him
0: give the information
1: you're after? We now find that justice in America is not equal. It's determined upon whether you wanna go after a political person or not. It almost feels like a preemptive coup. We've heard so much about the insurrection and the coup, but this is preventing, this is meant to prevent Donald Trump from being able to run again. I think everyone's very aware of the fact that Democrats have been preparing and they've been talking about this for quite some time for a raid on the former president's residence. I mean, I I don't get upset or rattled easily about politics in this country. I know you don't either. This is the Rubicon being crossed. Is this administration weaponizing the Justice Department and the FBI against political opponents?
2: Okay, we're going to get into a bunch of that. (laughs) That was just that was just Monday night, guys. (laughs) Going into Tuesday, you can hear some of the voices. Peter Ducey asking that question there to White House press secretary and then uh, Buck Sexton with some of those clips as well. And then Representative Jim Jordan at the top and and, uh, Kevin McCarthy also mentioning there. Uh, So then we get into later on in the week, we find out a little bit more information as things start to get revealed And and the contents of the search warrant were unsealed on Friday, but Thursday, A.G. Merrick Garland gave about almost like a three and a half minute statement from the podium of the Justice Department saying he authorized this search warrant and that and they were requesting that the warrant unseal the contents. So then the warrant is released, the contents are shown of what was inside this, and and there was a bunch of boxes of documents, binder folders, handwritten notes. Um, Let me read you a little bit of what was actually unsealed documents that were marked with TSSCI, which indicates one of the highest levels of government classification. Another item labeled info. Read the president of France. And then now that everything's unsealed, now Republicans and right wing media start saying things like this.
1: He owns it. This guy Garland. He says he called it. So it's on him now. We all know Biden was involved. You don't do this without the president knowing, but he's on vacation with Hunter. So we'll never hear from him ever again. He says, I approved it, but I can't say anything, but my guys aren't crooked. Oh, really? Oh, really? Your guys aren't crooked. Well, all right, let's see. The last time they planted evidence on Trump, which was the dossier, and they doctored evidence to get the warrant and lied to the judge for it. So now we're supposed to trust you guys? Merrick Garland says we had to do this because we couldn't do it any other way. That's what you call circular nonsense. I'm sorry, Your Honor, I had to kick the dog because
2: I couldn't kick the dog.
1: Jessica, hold on a second. So he has documents, papers in boxes. The Chinese and the Russians can't access those boxes of information. But Hillary Clinton's server is published uh, she, to the world. And guess what? She was punished. What? No, she wasn't she punished. I, you know what? Did they raid her home? Did they actually they come with machine to, guns to her operated home? Because she cooperated
0: like a normal no, human no, being?
2: Okay, so you heard all of that. And obviously now we finally have not so much closure, but at least uh, we have a light at the end of the tunnel. The documents that were retrieved were related to potential violations of the Espionage Act and some obstruction of justice charges. Marie, let's get your expert opinion on this, because before we get to Nick uh, giving me a hot take there about some of the uh, Republican pundits there, Uh, when you heard of everything that happened last week, you just said how it was a crazy week. But Give me some of your takeaways as somebody who has had a government clearance in this, in this country that is on this panel. What were some of your initial takeaways when everything started to trickle out information wise?
0: Yeah, I mean, anyone who has had a clearance knows that the rules are very clear about what you can and cannot take home, take you know, out of a government building. The rules are very clear for us average people. The president is different, right? That is true. The president has original declassification authority. He or she can declassify documents. But there's a process that that goes through. It usually involves asking the intelligence community if there would be harm if the, these are declassified. Think about when we talked uh, on one of the shows before Russia's invasion, and I talked about how the intelligence community had declassified so much of their intelligence on Russia for a public good, right, to put it out into the public. There was a good, a good reason to do that there is no way Donald Trump went through that process, right? So he can declassify things. He cannot say everything that I take out of here, I declassify, you know, everything that crosses my desk, I- I'm saying is declassified. It is, it is irresponsible, it is dangerous, and it is harm- you know, harmful to our national security. And to hear some of these Republicans who support him saying things like, well, let's see what it is. Maybe it's like not that bad top secret information. Like we don't just go around stamping top secret on anything, right? It's sources, it's methods, it's how we get information. And I said today, you know, I was on Fox News Sunday um, uh, this week, and I said this isn't an aberration, right? He gave classified information about an ISIS source to the Russians in the Oval Office. He tweeted out classified information from the intelligence community. He told the intelligence community he didn't trust them. He believed Russia instead of them. So it's not like he's this upstanding law-abiding citizen who, oopsie, took some boxes with him to Mar-a-Lago. He has always flouted the rules, including with classification. And it is clear to me after this week that it's even worse than we thought. And to put all these documents in his private home where people come in and out, club members, you know, someone tried to, you know, spy at Mar-a-Lago. That happened, right? It is just, I don't even have the words for it. It is, it is irresponsible. At best, it is completely irresponsible and reckless. At worst, why did he have them and what was he doing with them? I don't want to go down that road too far because we don't know any facts, but the best case scenario here is a really, really bad one.
1: Yeah, to to Marie's point. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind here for me is you know that in response to the um, you know, the different comments that you were playing, Mike, a moment ago. Uh, this is basically like that risk Rick Astley song, right? Like we know the game and we're gonna play it. Like there's n- not nothing you played was at all shocking. Um, Maria, just a question to you. In isolation, let's take you former CIA for working in the Intelligence Bureau. What could you be able to leave your office with at bare minimum? That would have not had you pulled aside by security with a lot of questions and probably staying overnight at a, with a heated lamp and a desk.
0: <laughs> I mean, literally nothing.
1: Not even the not even the paperweight.
0: Well, I mean, yeah. I well, have, I'm I being have, facetious I a I little have, bit, but like I the point have a CIA is, yeah, paperweight at my house. But no, I mean, <laughs> when I wasn't, you know, before I was a spokesperson, when I, I do actually, when I was an analyst, um, you could take nothing home. And, you know, that means you work crazy hours, right? That also means on a Saturday, you can't work from home. If, if you have to work, you go into the office, but um, you literally can take nothing of your work home. And it's not just because we like to make things secret. It's because there are reasons we do it. And, and it protects people overseas who help us. It protects programs that give us information that keeps Americans safe. I, I mean, I literally could take nothing home. Right. I remember once I accidentally took home like some random piece of paper that had like sort of nothing on it. I had to drive back into work. I had to report it. I got some sort of warning. Right. I mean, it's we take it very seriously and it's so disturbing that the president of the United States um, when he was president didn't.
1: Just go to classification for a minute. You know, two things that I know this. One is there were three levels of classification for the documents that were provided. Um, Mike, I think you mentioned a TSCI, and then it was like, yeah, you know, what's considered classified. Marie, could you first take us through those three levels? Like, why are they important to organize it in that way?
0: Yeah. So, you know, the lowest level of classification is confidential, and then there's secret, and then there's top secret, and then above top secret is SCI, and that basically means you have to be read into a specific compartment to have access to that. There's actually another level on top of that. It's a code word. It's the very, you know, top secret of, of the top secret. That a very, very small number of people have access to. We don't know some of those documents. Maybe that as well. In some of those cases, the code words are even classified, right? But TSSCI in in standard classification terms is the highest classification you that, that generally exists, and it is SCI means it is sensitive enough. That it has to be protected. And if it's not, it is a national security risk. That's why those statutes you saw, it was interesting what was on that warrant um, because it talked about not just having the documents, but misuse of them and obstruction of of the process in terms of getting them back, which I think has also been one of the really disturbing parts of this. But I mean, TSSCI is like the classified of the classified. If I took any of that home, I would absolutely get a security violation and be in
1: in trouble. in 2018, the Presidential uh, Records Act had been amended to go from I think it was a one year penalty to five years, or that penalty of potentially imprisonment. You would know more than I would. Um, that was obviously changed, you know, during the Trump administration to go to five years.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The argument that seems to be coming up is this idea of declassification. As president, or at least the way he said it by Thursday, is, well, anything I took was declassified, like this sort of sweeping thing, (laughs) anything was taken off the table. Um, Is that a viable explanation?
0: I don't think so. I think unless he has evidence that he went through the process to declassify this information, it's not viable. But also- if that's true, why did they lied about it? Why did his attorney, why did they stonewall the FBI and DOJ? Why did his, did his attorney sign something saying they had no classified information when in fact they did? Why did they get a subpoena and ignore it, right? If this was all above board and he declassified it all, um, why are they doing this? I do not think that, that, that argument, I mean, I think there is no way that Donald Trump went through a process to actually declassify all of these documents. He can say, "Oh yeah, declassify them." That doesn't doesn't make it so. But the classification is classification isn't the only problem, right? It's how he used them. He could declassify them and then misuse them, right? Or to your point, the Presidential Records Act isn't actually about classification. It's about maintaining. It's partly, but it's about in part maintaining government records, classified or not. And he also was had a responsibility um, to leave those records and did, and failed to do so.
2: Right. I want to give some background for the people that are listening now. Um, if you don't know about the exchanges between you know, the National Archives Record Administration and the Trump Org, some of the timeline has gotten a little bit lost in the shuffle across the media outlets. So if you give me a second here, in May of 2021, an official from NRA, uh contacted Trump's team before realizing that several important documents weren't handed over. Uh, then in the fall of 2021, they were going frustrated with the slow pace of this. In January of 22, after months of discussion, if you remember, there was a story about that they had retrieved 15 boxes of Trump White House records. But then um, almost about six weeks later, news outlets were reporting, including the Washington Post, that the NARA had asked the Justice Department to investigate Trump's handling of White House records, like Marie was just alluding to before. Uh, Then in April and May, uh, they acknowledged for the first time that the Justice Department is involved and that prosecutors had launched a criminal probe into Trump's mishandling of these classified documents. And then around in May as well, news outlets were reporting that investigators were subpoenaed uh, for access to these classified documents from Mar-a-Lago. In June, four investigators showed up to Mar-a-Lago seeking more information about this. June 8th, Trump's attorneys received a letter from federal investigators. So they've been communicating with them for at least over the last you know 12 months. And then in August, obviously, the FBI executes this search warrant uh, last Monday. And, and then you know three days of silence, Merrick Garland releases a statement, which is not a DOJ uh, custom policy, as Ellie Honig has told us. If you listen to mm-hmm. our show trailer, which I was doing earlier <laughs> today, uh, he has mentioned the, the politicization of the DOJ and, and, and infusing politics into policy is not the way they do things. Um, Marie, I want to get some of your takeaways on the rise of extremism now that we're seeing because mm-hmm. Nick, when Nick was kind of alluding to it, but skipped over it, the, the Trump team first were saying beyond the raid, things were planted. Now it's, well, no, these are documents that I declassified. Either way, on True Social, we have seen a bunch of different messages, not only from the former president, but in chats in, in, you know, I live on True Social all the time. Everybody knows that. Uh, But now we're seeing people actually committing acts of violence. We saw what happened with the FBI field office in Mm -hmm. Cincinnati. We see an armed group of protesters that protesters. I'm using air quotes for those of you not watching on YouTube out in Arizona and what's happening there. What do you make now, former official? Put back on your your CIA analyst, the State Department spokesperson hat. Wh- what would be playing out for you guys right now, seeing this rise of threats that are happening across the country?
0: Yeah, I mean, when I was at the agency, you know, I started in two thousand six, so we were still very focused on what we thought the biggest threat to Americans was at that time, which was Al Qaeda and terrorists coming from overseas. And sitting here today. By far, the biggest threat that we have as Americans is homegrown terrorists, radicalized on truth, social radicalized by the former president um, and his supporters, many of whom are running for office across the country today, which is really scary, and who uh, are increasingly turning to political violence here in our own country. And that is an incredibly sobering I don't have the words to express how concerning that is and how scary that is because the threat is here. It is, it is here. It is coming from inside the house. And uh, I don't think the DOJ or the FBI actually have their hands around how to combat that. I think social media companies have no idea how to combat it, especially when they go to places like truth social, right. And just bypass Twitter or Facebook Um, And I think that there are a lot of people on the right fanning the flames of something incredibly dangerous. I think January 6th was absolutely uh, predictable. I think this attack on the FBI was predictable. And I think that more violence is going to come. And I I don't know how when you have one political party who not only takes no responsibility, but fans the flames of it every chance they get. I, I do not know how you combat that. I, I just don't. Um, and I think it's really scary.
2: Let's take a quick break. More with Marie after this.
0: Your website should be a marketing asset, not an engineering challenge. Empowering everyone from independent designers to whole marketing teams, Webflow combines the power of HTML, CSS, and JavaScript and places them all in a completely visual canvas. Trusted by companies like Lattice and Discord, it changes the way marketers, designers, and engineers create for the web. Now you can build the site you want without the dev time. Start building for free at webflow.com.
2: Nick, the presenting sponsor of Can We Please Talk is Fresh Roasted Coffee. Since 2009, this Pennsylvania company has been making their passion of bringing you gourmet coffees from all over the world, roasted fresh, to order in eco-friendly smart roasters. They're committed to quality, service, integrity, approachability, and sustainability. I know you've ordered a few packs there you're going to tell the people because we all know what a big coffee snob you are i live the k-cup life and i've ordered some of the colombian roast and the breakfast blend it's delicious your take sir on fresh roasted coffee a pennsylvania-based company for the man in eastern pennsylvania who drinks coffee regularly yeah mike that's right you know shop local right there's never been a faster or easier way to start
1: your weight loss journey than with plush care As right. always. Uh you know I just most recently bought the flavored coffee set, which is six different incredible flavors. That's on its way getting shipped. I had that just ground, you know, for when it gets here. Mike, one of my favorite parts is that they allow you to take a not allow. What am I talking about here? They give you a quiz just to get a sense of your taste. You know, so I took that quiz. I got recommended Sumatra. just a great single origin coffee but in addition to that mike they have a great section just a learn section if you go to their website freshroastedcoffee.com there's a just on when you click down there's a learn section for those of you who are not necessarily in the coffee game as deep as mike and i are you can learn everything from how to use your French press, how to use a Chemex. So they're, they're not just selling you coffee and tea, by the way. Something That's very right. important. You know, a lot of places try to separate these two ancient beverages, not fresh, co- fresh roasted coffee. So they have a huge variety of tea as well. My wife's more of a tea drinker than a coffee drinker. So I'm going to be hooking her up. But Mike, it's an awesome company. So many things available on the website. Um, And I think that those who are listeners of the show can benefit from listening to us and purchasing
2: from there, if I'm correct. That's right. Because all you got to do right now, if you're in our show notes page or whatever audio podcast platform you're listening to us, you click the link that's available right there. That link will have a special promo code discount applied to whatever you buy from freshroastedcoffee.com. Head to that link in our show notes page and get in on some of this great tasting coffee today.
1: Maureen, your estimation in terms of the the arguments and excuses that we've seen played out from Monday through now, what seems to be the recurring theme of of what feels like a fallacious argument?
0: Uh, Well, it feels like that because it is. Uh, I mean, the recurring theme is all whataboutism. It's all, um, you know, the Republican Party under Donald Trump is all about um, uh, anger and revenge. And, you know, this, you know, I mean, what I hear a lot is, well, they didn't go after Hillary Clinton for doing this. Why, this is just a, this is political theater. There is an inability to um, to engage with the facts of what happened. Because there, there, I mean, I think you saw Brianna Keeler, I think, interviewing Mike Turner on CNN uh, this weekend. You know, this this past weekend, and like tried to say, like, well, do you take classified documents? Try to make a very plain argument, right? Do you take home documents marked special access? No, because the actual facts are indefensible. And so it's it's all it's grievance politics. It's they're just going after him because they don't want him, Joe Biden, to run against him again. Or, I mean, I don't know how low they can go. Right? Like, what if it comes out that he had really sensitive documents unsecured at his house? Like, you can't. Right? I I don't know what arguments you guys are saying. We're all watching the same stuff, but it's it's it it is all deflection and grievance and. And look, I know a lot of people who support Donald Trump who uh, don't even watch Fox anymore, right? And they are—they do not—they are not reading Maggie Haberman's scoops on uh, on the, as you pointed out, Mike. Y- you know, months over a year of, of of efforts by by the FBI to avoid the raid. Right? They did not want to do this. And believe me, side note: the Biden White House did not want to lose their news cycle this past week to this you know i was on a sunday show this week we did not talk at all about the inflation reduction act that's like this is not what they wanted so i i just i mean you guys watch the same arguments i do like they they are i am i'm constantly shocked by the ability to excuse behavior that is inexcusable and that in their opponents they decry as illegal and immoral like there's there's no bottom here
1: going to the facts to to that to that point. Um one of the big sticking points seems to be that there was an opportunity to hand back all documents. Anything that left the White House, you know, moved over to Mar a lago or wherever, there was an opportunity that was not met. And it seems to be coming up from reporting this week that it's possible that the attorneys for the for Trump basically lied when they were asked flat out. And what I'm saying right now, Maria, I want you to just you know, call in the question and, and correct me wherever I'm incorrect. But there was an opportunity to say, they're asked from what I'm understanding, is this it basically? And the attorneys had said, yes. And then we find out on Monday that boxers are being taken out of Mar-a-Lago. Is that timetable correct? And did everything I just say uh, play out the way I'm just be, su- su- uh, surmising it now?
0: From the reporting, you're absolutely right. I mean, from everything I've read and all of the reporting, they had multiple options opportunities to turn this back over. And they had an attorney submit in writing something saying there was nothing else left there. And that, I mean, that's, I think why we're looking at obstruction here is one of the, one of the potential um, criminal liabilities of this, because you, you can't, like, this is what's so crazy. He has so moved the bar, like, He should never have taken it in the first place. All these, all these Republicans saying, well, it was so chaotic in those days. It's like, yeah, because he tried to commit a coup. Like, yes, like the fact, the fact that he was exhausted because he tried to overthrow the election is not an excuse. You know, like this is the bar has moved so far. He should never have taken them. He had multiple opportunities to give it back. He got subpoenaed. He ignored it. They said there was nothing there, and they had evidence that there was. Like th- this is very cut and dry. Uh, like, yeah. There's no defense of this, M- right? M-
2: Marie, <laughs> I-, I wanted to ask you because I was thinking about this earlier uh, when I was preparing some questions for you, and and this just came to my head right now because uh, if if you lived in the New York City area or if you watch CBS Sports, there was a famous broad, uh, a famous uh, radio show host, Craig Carton, that lived in New York. And one day the FBI showed up at his front door and arrested him. And all of a sudden we find out that he had defrauded $6 million to a couple different uh, companies as he was moving money at different places and some fake ticket scheme, right? And I remember talking to a lawyer friend of mine at that time who said to me, and he's a, he's a Republican, and he said to me, he goes, the FBI just doesn't show up at places. It's meticulous. It's detailed. Now you're seeing it play out where people are questioning the fbi where we saw a tweet nick and i were exchanging a tweet between a prominent Lives matter uh person and marjorie taylor green both clamoring to defund the fbi what do you make of back the blue defund the blue what, what's what's going on here in the, is there uh ryan our friend ryan riley at the nbc news said it best I feel like I'm taking crazy pills to quote Zoolander. Like, is a a, a conservative leaning, at least it's always been viewed as the FBI just based on the directors, right? <laughs> Here we have this agency now being questioned by people that have been members of the Republican Party. And it's leading to extreme violence that's happening, or at least threats of violence. Yeah. Like wh- wh- where do you see some of this netting out? And how do you how do you interpret as somebody who goes on, you know, a, a conservative leaning network all the time and mm-hmm. tries to combat some of this stuff like where do you see some of the shaking out
0: i mean but this is part of what trump did right like first he convinced republicans to hate the intelligence community which when i worked there it was the republicans we could count on more for supporting congress right especially after 9 11 um on january 6th we saw trump supporters attack police officers right back the blue support law enforcement oh until you don't right and this is just the latest example, the defund the FBI. It's like they, they don't have principles, right? They just have people they think are on their team. And if they decide they're not, they just, there's no loyalty there. You know, I, I think, <laughs> I mean, where does it go from here? I, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I I think that, I mean, I keep saying that I fear the violence is going to get worse. And uh, I, I, I worry what happens if Donald Trump runs again. You know, I mean, and also don't forget that he appointed the FBI director. So setting that aside, you know, and then you hear people in conservative media say, well, it's the, the leadership that's rotten, the court, you know, the rank and file FBI officers. But to me, they support law and order, except they, their hero, Donald Trump, is, is under what? Six investigations, criminal and congressional, New York, Attorney General, Georgia, January 6th this now. I mean, this is a person his whole life who thinks the rules don't apply to him. And in a bunch of places, including here, that appears to be catching up with him. But people like that don't go down without blowing everything up in the process. And that's what's so he is unable to be shamed or he feels no responsibility for his actions. I think he wants the chaos.
1: I would agree with that because you know, chaos is you know ob- tends to obfuscate so like, you can't, yeah. you lose focus on criminal activity um but in this conversation it seems like part of this is also moving the goalposts you know early in this week we said well where's the warrant can we see that and then we mm-hmm. see it now comes the conversation of well what does the affidavit say and it exactly. seems to be like there's a, a security or some kind of legal component about the dangers of releasing the affidavit or at least in terms of different levels, potentially. I know it was one um, Republican congressman that had acknowledged this on I think my face the nation this morning, that it's possible that Congress could be able to see this, um, but not necessarily making this available to mass media just yet. Marie, what would be more revelatory in seeing the affidavit versus the the warrant?
0: You know, it's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. You're right, the goalposts are moving because that's the next one, and then you know today it was well they took attorney-client privilege documents, so maybe that taints the whole thing. I mean, the goalposts are moving, right? I don't know what the affidavit would show us. I candidly, I just don't know. I, 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 I mean, if he is, a, if someone is charged with something here, right? The indictment has to be airtight. It has to, and like there are going to be people you can never convince you know, this, you know, the people you can never convince. I-, I do think at least electorally speaking, there are some people who just do not, that can be convinced that can be, that he is too chaotic, that he's a criminal and he's immoral. And, but like, it's your point, let's say the affidavit gets released and it's awful. It's a, like, is that going to convince all of his supporters and right-wing media to suddenly say, no, I think everyone has a breaking point. <laughs> I
1: think. I mean, I don't I know. Don't know. <laughs> do we I don't I yeah, don't know. Yeah. I mean, we're looking yeah. at, it's about 40% of voters, right? Like that's the number we seem to be targeting. Has that dropped to 37 to potentially 35%? I don't know. Um, you know, as we're talking about documents being publicly revealed, one of the things that came up about the warrant uh, hauntingly is that the names of FBI agents who, ser- who did the search you know, earlier this week, and folks, search, not raid. Um, if we're going to use a, a, a appropriate terminology here. Um, it's not so much about asking the dangers of that, because that seems pretty obvious. You're putting people's names out there. But just from a national security standpoint, you know, from that level, from the agency, what potential alarms are going off about potentially uh, law enforcement being further in danger, the further we go through this process, because from the affidavit to other documents being revealed, other names coming out, it seems that The next move now for for Trump and his team is to just keep putting people up there, like more just shields, essentially, in the form of currently FBI agents. Marie, what potential dangers are we we thinking about? And at any level, does this become something that national security steps into and has to figure out how to protect their people?
0: Absolutely. I'm sure they already are. I mean, I am 100% sure that the FBI agents, the folks that signed the warrant, I am absolutely sure that DHS and the FBI and the proper folks are protecting them. Um, I, I, without question, would would assume that that is the case now. Um, I also think, I mean, related to your question, there are some uh, congressional Democrats who've asked the intelligence community to do a assessment of what documents he had and their, uh, you know, the result if they had been made public or the potential um, for them to have been compromised. Because I think that's actually really important too. I mean, every Republican thought WikiLeaks was, you know, the worst thing ever to happen, to and Snowden, and all. Okay, well, we did we did assessments after the risk assessments after those documents were leaked. We should do one here, because if he, you know, if he puts the lives of FBI officers, judges, at risk, I mean, who knows what he was doing with this? He liked to show people information, right? He liked to talk about it. He had no filter and no discretion. I think we need an assessment of the damage he may have done here. And, but to your point, I am absolutely sure that our folks who are focused on you know, national security from a domestic standpoint are laser focused on this right now. It's the, mo- it's the biggest threat we face today, and specifically to those people he's put in harm's way, without question.
2: She's our favorite. We love having her every single time. A former State Department spokesperson, former CIA officer. I'm none of these things. I, I was none of these things. Uh, former advisor, Secretary Kerry. I'm former advisor, Nick Severi. That didn't get me that far. Uh, Marie Hart, you can catch her all across the family of Fox News shows, you just heard her saying she was on Fox News Sunday yesterday. Uh, thank you so much, Marie, for always hopping on and educating us and our audience. Continued success to you. And we will see you in D.C. in October
0: i'm so excited and hopefully we will have some more you know whenever we talk i think bad things are happening in the world um but uh it's always nice to break them down with you all i think um they're so important we need to have these conversations and i'm looking forward to seeing you in person we'll we'll have a little fun in dc too
2: nick today's sponsor of the program is russell stover chocolates i mean listen I don't even know if I got to read this copy because I eat Russell Stover's chocolates all the time. Whenever I make, whenever I need to make amends, Nick, OK, it's it's usually flowers and chocolates, right? That's the uh, that's the man go to, right, to to make amends to your significant other. Since 1923, I haven't been around that long, maybe since 1981, I've been eating Russell Stover's chocolate. But they believe when you make the best chocolate, you make smiles, you make joy, you make happy. When's the last time you've had some good cho- some good chocolate from Russell Stover's? Because they're everywhere. They're in malls. They're everywhere. Yeah, I think it might have been either Valentine's Day or shortly thereafter. Uh,
1: Mike, one of the best parts about Russell Stover's is that they always have variety. You know, and, you know the whole Life's a Box of Chocolate stuff shot at the Forrest Gump. Right. You know, you can find out very quickly the different varietals there in Russell Stover's. And that's one of the things that they're known for is you've got so many different types of chocolate when you open that amazing box, that with a trusted brand that's, you know, so many years old. You
2: can't beat it, man. It it is the go-to. It's the New York Yankees of chocolate when you need it. They are going to love that and clip that. Assorted chocolates, milk chocolate, dark chocolate, single flavors, caramel, nugget, toffee. You got nuts and peanut butter, everything available on their website. But before you go to their website, go to our show notes page right now. There's a link for Russell Stover's chocolate, and you will get a promo code discount applied at checkout. Head to the link to our show notes to get some of this delicious chocolate. All right. Our thank yous to Marie Harf there. Nobody better to talk to you about classification of documentation as somebody who had a security clearance in this country. Uh, She's great. And you can check her out across the Fox family of shows, former State Department spokesperson. And obviously she was a former advisor as well as Secretary Kerry. She's also done some campaign work for Representative Seth Moulton from, from, I believe he's from Massachusetts, that is currently in the House of Representatives. Um, Real quick, some of your takeaways before we move Our last segment, I wanted to get your takeaways on something else that played out in the media circles uh, and and we'll get your thoughts on, but uh, a high level on what happened last week, the clips I played earlier of some of the sound, the goalposts moving, what Marie was talking about with classification.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a little, it's a little like for anyone who's seen the matrix, right? Like, you know, that ending scene, like toward the end when Neo sort of sees the game for what it is and like, there's no emotion there. You just gotta move the bullets around. That's what it's like to listen to right wing talking points, especially right now. Like the facts tell me, the FBI had a reason to go, and everything that's been thrown out is just simply nonsense. And we just had a person on the show, you know, who has that security clearance, um, who's got the background, who's you could just tell, you know, for any of you who are watching on YouTube, and thank you for doing so, or just listening to the show, and thank you for doing that too. Like this person, like the gravity of this is hitting her because she knows from her vantage point how serious that is. You know, to get to get the FBI at your door, especially with this attorney general. Like this has been come up often in many circles. Ellie Honig and others have been critical of the attorney general. But this is a measured person. So I think what Marie just spoke to is. How serious this is. And she cut through all the nonsense of all the talking points from folks all over the magosphere, for lack of a better phrase. Um, and we're seeing the severity of this.
2: Yeah, you're spot on. I I I mean, there's so much there. And, you know, where this nets out to, like in terms of you guys were talking about the affidavit and versus the warrant. I've heard legal analysts say that stuff is not shown until trial, you know, until actual charges. Start coming. So who knows what happens in the coming weeks uh, uh, with respect to that? We'll continue to cover that stuff as as we always do with everything else. One thing I did want to get your take on Nick was something that may have flown under the radar uh, because none of us on this show watch Newsmax. Uh, <laughs> there was a representative from Oklahoma. His name, uh, let me get you his name. His name is Mark Wayne Mullen. Uh, he, again, representative in the, in the U.S. House of Representatives from Oklahoma. He mentioned something last week that I thought was really interesting. As all of this was playing out, he appeared on one of Newsmax's primetime shows, and they were asking him, you know, obviously his takeaways about what's happening with the, with the search and the execution of the warrant, and as the days go on, they have him on, and then he said, I want you to take a listen to this, and we're going to react on the other side, because it speaks to the two political parties in this country and where he feels one does and what the other one does. Take a listen to this.
1: Democrats are a different party than the Republican Party, just the mindset. Democrats are used to following the leader. They get behind somebody and they push and they all walk off the cliff together. They're all headed that way. They've done it multiple times. Look what's happening with ACA and look what's happening right now with the red wave coming. Republicans are more independent thinkers. We're independent-minded. It's almost like trying to herd, herd, uh, herd cats. You just can't do it. And so, if we had a party structure that was trying to move the same way that the Democrats are doing, we would stop.
2: Yeah. Um, So, Nick, Mark Wayne Mullen. I had to look him up, and he did. uh, If you don't watch C-SPAN or C-SPAN two, they always have the U.S. House of Representatives or anybody from the, the 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 Senate's. Uh, excuse me, from the Senate, um, they'll they'll do speeches, press conferences. C-SPAN plays all this stuff throughout the day. And Mark Wayne recently also did the Hillary and the Whataboutism with respect to former Secretary Clinton and the emails and stuff like that. But when I saw that play out, and that was trending on Twitter, and this guy, and you go down the rabbit hole of what he believes information-wise, when you hear that, when you hear It's tough to herd members of the Republican Party because they're like cats where we have done topics on this show about messaging. And I worked in the ecosystem of right wing media. They all stick to the same script. The talking points are disseminated. We just talked to Marie off air about how that stuff plays out, right? Uh, (laughs) He says it's opposite. It's Democrats that are all on the same page and read from the same playbook and do the same thing. I wanted to get some of your takeaways on that because I couldn't let that one slide and it didn't fit in the ethos of all the clips I was playing. And I heard that and I said, "Boy, without a shred of irony, this guy is saying that because it's always been known and it's been to the credit of Republicans. They all unifying the way they vote. They all unify in the way they disseminate talking points, whether it's about immigration or education or, or Obamacare. Um, and he made some stupid points in there about red wave. I don't even know. Maybe he's talking to the midterms. What were some of your takeaways hearing that?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm curious what version of the Republican party is talking about the, you know, there's a version of the Republican party, you know, 1957 is an important year, right? You have, you know, What President Eisenhower does, like sending federal troops, you know, to Alabama—I think it was Alabama—and like George Wallace's state, Um, which I'm very—I always stand at that moment because that that felt like a time where the Republican Party got it right. Then there's 1964, you know, with Barry Goldwater, and basically the party splits, and then four years later, Richard Nixon, you know, runs and and wins the vote. Um, Maybe that version of the Republican Party seemed to be more disorganized. The Democrats seemed to be more sort of in line together until 1968 but i'll spare everyone the history lecture here um but that is not at all reality like i'm at a loss for words like you usually with maga i'll you'll catch me in the right moment and i'm just flipping out because these people are just morons but what i just heard there i feel like the guy in billy madison when he's writing the scores at the end right like what you just said <laughs> the moderator is the yeah. most <laughs> um well like him I award that man no points and may God have mercy on his soul. Right. That wasn't, there's nothing factual about it. You know, Mike, we've talked several episodes here about the progressive wing, you know, folks like, you know, Congresswoman Ocasio Cortez, Corey Bush. Like, there's an entire faction of the party that's very vocal and and up until recently has been uh, willing to take on the president and, you know, previously, um, you know, Nancy Pelosi. That's not the republican party right now i mean there are the occasional few you know representative cheney who very likely will lose her primary coming up for what she's been doing um representative kinzinger who's going to be retiring or leaving office not seeking a term you know this year aside from those two people and what the other six that voted for impeachment the rest of the party is in lockstep with the president so what that person just said on that channel I don't know if he's lying or he's just delusional. In either case, he's factually incorrect.
2: Right. Yeah. Defied logic. I couldn't believe when I heard this and I said, we'd love to get Nick's uh, takeaways on this because it's I'm it's ap- n- apoplectic. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's nonsense. By the way, I believe it was 10 that voted for impeachment. But yeah, you're right. Think of the other, the other eight that are part of that, that. You know, like Representative Anthony Gonzalez, who played for the Colts once upon a time, the former Ohio State Buckeye, you know, like, has he been vocal? Have you heard any anything like that? You know, they vote along party lines. If you look at the way that some of these bills that have passed through the House and through the Senate, right, they're all unified on the same page. So it was very weird that I heard that. Uh, Anyway, in the coming weeks, we've got some great topics, great episodes lined up more on everything that will shake out with the FBI's investigation into Donald Trump. We'll see what happens here with the former president. We're going to discuss a little bit more on some other topics and some great guests coming. Our thank yous again to Marie Harf. You can follow her on social media or check her out across the Fox family of networks for this show. If you want to check out video, YouTube, see what Marie looks like in person, you can check her out. Can we please talk podcasts over on YouTube and check out all the interviews that we've done with the people on this show. Audio podcast platforms, you know them by now, but Apple, Google, Spotify. Leave us a five-star review and comment. Pretty please. Come on. October 27th in D.C., our live show more coming out on that we will be releasing some more information as to how you can come down and listen to us we got some great guests coming including marie that will be on the program that day uh we couldn't do it without a shout out to them our hosting platform and we can't do it without each and every one of you that listens to this program turns to us for news and information and commentary we reach number 125 on apple Podcasts top news commentary programs in the united states and it's with each and every one of you listening to this program as always i'm mike leon
1: a special shout out to salman rushdie victim of a horrible attack today um 2022 seems to be the year for people to just run up on stage and attack people because they don't agree with they, what they say um there's no reason for this hope he gets better uh, and hope we all do better i'm nick
2: Ferry. see everybody next time